The Old Testament reading for the Feast of Pentecost is from Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson is from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia? Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus
Jesus answered his disciple, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the difference between the spirit of the world and the spirit of God, the spirit that we see poured out on Pentecost today. And I think uh, it's important to take a look at this because it's very surprising when we look closer at the spirit of the world. To see clearly what the spirit of the world is, we actually don't have to look any further than our Old Testament lesson, Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. Those people, the people of Babel, were truly inspired. They had a spirit that drove them. And look at what they accomplished. They would have fit in really well with our world today. Look at what they accomplished in the first place with technology. I know it's not very much to you who all drove here in automobiles and have smartphones in your pockets, but they had invented something monumental, the brick. The brick. They, it let them build structures that could withstand the forces of nature, that could make a place like Mesopotamia without, that was uncultivated and untamed. It could make that place into a home, and they could build buildings that would last, that would stand for something, a tower that would reach into the heavens. They had technology, and they loved it. And they made progress. They put one foot in front of the other. They had this goal that drove them. They wanted to build a tower and make a name for themselves, and they were doing it. Nothing was going to stop them. Nothing was going to prevent them from accomplishing what they set out to accomplish. God himself said as much. Look, they all have one language, and this is just the beginning of what they will do, God said. And nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. And part of that is because they were all united. They all had one language. They all had one purpose. Build this tower. Make a name for ourselves. Let's do it. There was no party politicking, no infighting, no distress, no disagreement. This is what we're after. Let's do it. And they were going to accomplish it. You can almost hear, I know it's, it's not exactly a, a Patrick Henry style, give me liberty or give me death kind of a speech, but you can hear just how they would have been roused to action in that message, that preaching that they heard. Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered across the earth. That's a really inspiring 
message, especially if you picture the ancient Near East, where there's nothing, nothing but desert or in Mesopotamia, uncultivated land, rivers that flood every year, needs to be tamed. That would have been an inspiring message. These were inspired people, and they would have been right at home in our world for the very same things inspire us. Technology, progress, unity. That's a dream, isn't it? A dream in our world. Our world is full of bitter division, but wouldn't it be great if we were all united? They had a spirit that drove them. Nothing that they put their hand to would be impossible for them, and that is why God paid them a visit. It's kind of surprising, isn't it, that God would come. Just as they're about to accomplish something monumental, God would come and spoil their fun. He confused their language and scattered them across the face of the earth. Why did he do that? He did it because the spirit that drove them was a spirit of this world and not the spirit of God. It was a spirit of this world, and that is a spirit of pride and a spirit of slavery and a spirit of fear and death. It is, in fact, the height of pride to say, let us make a name for ourselves. People who say that have forgotten that they're creatures with a creator. They've forgotten that they have a Father in heaven by whom all things were created, in whom all things exist, and by whose name every family in heaven and on earth has received its name. You have a Father in heaven. You need not make a name for yourselves. You already have a name. It's like the story of the prodigal son, this fellow who wanted to emancipate himself from his father. Dad, he said, give me, half of my, give me my half of your inheritance right now. I want to be my own man. I want to make a name for myself. And you see how things went for him. It was probably great for a while, paving his own way, carving his own path. But then where did he end up? Eating the pods with the pigs. And that's where pride always leads. It was a spirit of pride that drove these people. Although they had accomplished and were accomplishing something monumental, where would it lead without God? Where would it lead without the Father in heaven by whom they were named? And it was also a spirit of slavery. You heard this message that they believed. Come, let us make a name for ourselves. It was that message that enslaved them to their passions, their desires, the will of their flesh. It's just like what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, right? It was a lie. You cannot make a name for yourself. You already have a name from your Father in heaven. Eve believed the lie. In the day that you eat of it, you will not surely die. You'll be like God. Believing that lie... Isn't just, doesn't just mean that you're deceived, but it means that you're enslaved, living for yourself, living for what you think is good for you. And this is precisely the spirit that enslaved the people at Babel. They were living for themselves. And it's a spirit of fear. You can hear this straight out of the text. What did they say? Come, let us make a name for ourselves. Why? Lest we be dispersed across the face of the earth. They were afraid that everything they had built would one day collapse. They were afraid that their own lives would come to an end. And that is a completely legitimate fear, isn't it? The end of all things in this world is, in fact, death. 
the end of the story is written. As much as they might build a tower that would last generation upon generation, one day the spirit that drove them to build this tower, that spirit would expire, and they would be no more. And even that tower, even if it lasted for several generations or more, one day that tower would crumble. It's a spirit of fear and a spirit of death that drove them. That is the spirit of this world, a spirit of pride and slavery and fear and death. It's not the picture that you get looking at the Tower of Babel at first glance. It seems like an incredible thing. Look at what they've accomplished. Look at what they're about to do. But what is it that drives them? What is it that drives us? This is the question that Pentecost invites. What is it that inspires you? What is it that inspires you? Now, when we talk about inspiration, one of the first things that usually comes to mind is creativity. So if you asked a musician, for instance, who inspires you? Who are your greatest inspirations? That musician will give you a list of artists that he's listened to his whole life, the people he tries to imitate, the people whose style and tone and technique he tries to carry on, the legacy he tries to carry on. It's that creative spirit that inspires a creative person. But there are all kinds of other spirits that inspire us as well. It doesn't have to be creativity or building a tower that reaches into the heavens and making a name for yourself. It can be something really base and ordinary, like a spirit of hunger drives you to get up from the couch and go to the fridge to grab something to eat. Or a spirit uh, that drives you, a spirit that shows you your need for money in order to live. That spirit can drive you to get up and go to work in the morning. There's some really ordinary spirits that drive us. And there are also very lofty, high-minded spirits. Love of family, love of country, love of nature. These things can drive people to do incredible things. So the soldier who sacrifices his life on the battlefield, he is inspired by a love of his country. The mother who gets up in the middle of the night to nurse her crying infant, she is inspired by the love of her family. But the lesson of Babel is that if it is merely these things, these spirits of the world, if it is merely these things that inspire you, then you are no different than the people of Babel. If we are merely driven by our base desires, or by creativity, or even by really noble, lofty, high-minded ideals like family or country, if those are the things that drive us all by themselves, then we are no different than the people of Babel. Now notice, of course, that Babel was a wonderful place. It was a beautiful city. There was no corruption. There was no brutality or looting or violence or rioting. There was none of that. It was a peaceful place, a beautiful place. It wasn't that the spirit of the world produces something ugly. In fact, it's often that the spirit of the world produces something beautiful. But even the very best things, the very best spirits of this world, because they are not the spirit of God, because they are spirits of pride and slavery and fear and death, in the end, they can only lead to those things. That is why on Pentecost, that is why today is such an important day, because on Pentecost, God pours out his spirit on all flesh. It is exactly the spirit that we need in this world. In this world which is overrun by all kinds of other deadly spirits, we need the Spirit of God, which is, in the first place, a spirit of humility. It's a spirit of humility because it is the Spirit of Christ 
himself. Christ, who took on human form, and being born in human nature, in the likeness of men, humbled himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Because of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. That spirit of humility which drove Christ to take his life to the cross and offer it for your sake, that spirit is the spirit of God which he pours out on us. We need that spirit of humility, not just because we are creatures with a creator, not just because we're the children of the Heavenly Father, but even more because we are poor, miserable sinners. We have nothing to commend ourselves. We have no merit in us, no worthiness. We need a spirit of humility, and that is exactly the spirit that God pours out on Pentecost. But it is not humility that remains lowly because from God, from that spirit, comes exaltation, glory from God. Not glory that wells up within us, not glory that we produce on our own, not a name that we give to ourselves, but a name and a glory and an exaltation that comes from God. And that is why the spirit that God gives us is a spirit of freedom. He frees us from living for ourselves, from living for things that are dead and dying, from living for this world. He frees us so that we can live for him, so that we can live for one another, so that we can love and not count the cost, so that in humility we can serve each other, so that in spite of the dying nature of this world, we can show life in this world. That is what Christ offers as well with his spirit. He offers a spirit of peace and a spirit of life. We need that more than anything, a spirit of peace. This is what he says. Jesus says, my father will give you the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither be afraid. His is not a spirit of fear and death, but a spirit of peace and life. He gives it in a way that the world does not give. The world gives and offers and makes promises that it cannot keep. The end of all things is the grave. We know that, clear as day. But the end of things in Christ is life and eternity and peace with God, won by the blood of Christ, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as that of a lamb without spot or blemish. This peace that we have from God is far better than any peace, temporary peace, that the world can offer. It is a peace that passes understanding, that lasts through eternity, because it has gone through the grave and into resurrection and into life. And this is the promise for you, on whom God is pouring out his spirit. This is the promise for you. Life, salvation, through the forgiveness of sins, and eternity with your heavenly Father. You don't need to have lived 2,000 years ago. You don't need to have been present in Jerusalem when those tongues of fire appeared on top of the disciples and that great gust of wind blew through, you don't have to have been there in order to receive God's Spirit because His Spirit is here, present, now, in these most ordinary ways. It was this message, let us make a name for ourselves, that inspired the people of Babel. It is the message of the cross, Christ crucified for you, the mighty works of God, that is what carries the Spirit of God.
Even as you sit here now listening to some guy in a pulpit preaching to you, you receive the Spirit of God. You receive the inspiration that you need to live in this world, to carry on for eternity. And as you eat and drink Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, there you have, poured out on you, as Jesus' blood was poured out from the cross, you have the Holy Spirit poured out on you. Look for God's Spirit where it may be found. Do not be inspired by the things of this world by spirits of pride and slavery and fear and death. Receive your inspiration from the Holy Spirit, whom God pours out on you abundantly because he loves you as a heavenly father who loves his dear children and will do anything for them. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.